0: Hello, Wildlings. This episode of Your Wild Place will be part two of our multi-part series featuring Project Ascent. Now, if you missed part one of our series, fear not. You can go back later and catch it because this series is anything but sequential. However, I must say that part one is worth the listen. The title was all about Rob. He's the founder and director of Project Ascent. And there's a good story in there that provides some serious insight as to what makes a nonprofit work. But in this episode, we will focus on the camps that Project Descent offers. Plus, you'll have the opportunity to meet Rob's right hand man, Angelo. I'm a huge fan of this nonprofit, especially with their mission to connect kids with the outdoors. And if you listen closely, You can hear their passion in their voices and learn what makes the magic of Project Descent. My name is Ray Brown, and you're listening to Your Wild Place.
1: When it first started, our Gear Up coordinator, uh, Penny Beckman, she came to me and said, hey, we have um, gear up funds. We have this grant at our school and uh, we heard you like to do some outdoor education stuff and we would like you to apply for some funding and, and how would you like to do uh, a camp in, during the summer? And I said, I'd, I would love to do that. Um, and so I, it was a chance to finally kind of put together a, a more comprehensive all around outdoor education program where we could do just everything you know under the sun for these kids and not limit it to just just a few activities uh and so that first year it was a two-week camp and it was there was no overnight it was you know it was five hours a day uh five days a week for for two weeks so 10-day camp and we ended up doing Oh, everything that I could think of, we we did the kayaking with Crazy Woman Kayaks. We we took a bus to Missoula and did the Blue Mountain Frisbee Golf Course. Okay. We went out up Vermillion and did a survival lesson.
0: As popularity of the program grew, the demand of what was wanted by adventurers changed. Students were no longer requesting just simple day trips; they were requesting long overnight camping trips. And in order to facilitate this need, Rob was going to need some help. This is where Angelo comes in.
2: When he approached me, you know, about doing this with with him and the kids, um, I thought, well, gosh, what a great opportunity because I love to backpack. I love to be outdoors. Right. And I was still newer to this area. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I thought, well, I can use this as an opportunity to get out and experience areas that uh that I haven't been to yet. And yeah. you know, so it was like a, a jump start into this area, and, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. And along the way, very quickly, uh what I learned about Rob, who I already liked was that I liked him even more. We we meshed really, really well. Um, our our mental state, our our just everything about us clicked in a way that you know. There's people that you don't ever want to go on a weekend fishing trip with. I mean, you just know it. And then there's other people that you're like, yeah, I could hang out with this guy like for half my life.
0: During our interview, I learned that Angelo has never worked with kids in a camp setting. <laughs> For any of you that have ever volunteered or have worked for any school function, knows that working with students can be an experience. Now, imagine being stuck up in the woods with a group of junior high students that you've never met for four whole days. I asked Angelo if maybe he had a story to share from his first trip.
2: Um, When, when we're up there, Rob takes a group of kids that want to learn fly fishing and he takes them over to the far side of Upper Blossom. And I sometimes I go over there and sometimes I hang back on the opposite um, side because there's some nice scenery and I like to draw. I like to sketch. So we've got the kids, they're kind of split up and there's there's some kids with Rob and there's some kids that are on a... um, a wooden raft that someone had made and and it just kind of gets its usage up there. And then I had some kids with me and I noticed while I was sitting there sketching that one of the kids kept going back and forth and back and forth along the the shore and the brush and the shrubbery and the trees. And I'm watching him and um, I'm going what what's he doing and and finally he comes back, and um he says well uh I lost what what was it that he lost his bear spray wasn't it? He lost his bear spray, and you know Rob and I are very, very adamant about taking care of the equipment and knowing where it's at, and all that, and I ask him." Well where where did you lose where did you lose it? And he says, Well, it was somewhere along this side of the lake. Okay, so it's this side of the lake. Okay, it's not like here or here, it's this side of the lake. Okay, because he <laughs> he just hiked all along there and he realized when he got back that it was missing. So it could have been anywhere. So I'm like, Well crap. I didn't use that word. I said, Well, okay. We need to go find it. So I look over at Rob, and Rob is just, he's fly fishing. He's doing his 10-2, whatever the hell that's called. <laughs> and he's just having a blast. And, you know, i oh, got another one. You know, you hear it over the surface of the water. And so this responsibility of finding this lost bear spray falls on me, you know, which is not a, a huge deal, but it does affect me. And I'm like, all right, well let's go look for your bear spray. So I grabbed the other kids and they're like, well, we didn't lose it. I said, yeah, I know you didn't lose it, but this is a team thing because we have to find that bear spray. So we go and we we scan that side of the lake. And by the way, that side of the lake is like three feet from hell, okay? because there's, it's not a nice place to go hiking, and it's rough, and it's not fun, and the mosquitoes are out, and we're looking, and we're looking, and we're looking, and I'm, every now and then, I'm close enough to the shore that I can see Rob, and Rob's doing his tan too and he's got another one, <laughs> you know, and he's just having a blast, and I'm out there, where the hell is this bear spray so
0: three feet from hell you can see that rob was having a good time
2: oh yeah he was that, having that's important time. that's good so he's oblivious to the whole thing and i figure there's no sense in ruining his mood you know i got this but as painful as it is and as aggravating so we we look for it and we look for it and the kids are all you know they're like, well, we didn't lose this, and we're out here, we're looking for it, I said, yeah, but you got to, and, and the kid that lost it was, you know, knowing that he, knowing that he's putting all these other people through, heck, is, is, uh, you know, he's not having fun either, so finally, finally, we find it, and, um, we go back and, and it was like it really was not far from where Rob was fishing. We 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 had gone back and forth several times and it really and if Rob was, would
0: have helped you look, he probably would have found it right away.
2: Yeah, it's very yeah. very possible, but you know, Rob was not gonna stop fishing and looking for bear spray. So we we finally make our way back and, and we we're scratched and and it's you know it we we did it. And I sit down and I'm like, all right, I can relax. And one of the kids, (laughs) he looks at me and he starts to wander off down that same side of the lake. And I'm going, why is he walking down that lake on that side? And I call him back to me and I said, David, why are you walking down that side of the lake? where we just came from. And he said, well, I lost my fishing rod (laughs) while we were looking for the bear spray. And I said several explicitives to myself. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And uh, a fishing rod, just a section of a fishing rod was what he lost. Looks very much like all the sticks and twigs and branches (laughs) that are in a forest. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Level up,
0: man. Level up. I can't
2: find it. And I said, do you know where you lost it? He goes, well, it could be anywhere. And I look over at Rob again, and Rob's going, his little fly fishing (laughs) thing going back and forth, and he's having a blast. And I'm going, this sucks. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. you want to know what my favorite yeah. moment was? I guess that was it. It's, a fa- it's my favorite is to tell anyway.
0: Now that we've met Angelo, let's hear about Project Descent's first overnight camp. That would be Blossom Lake.
1: Okay. Um, well, the, the very first overnighter was at Blossom Lake. Just kind of out of necessity. I did a lot of, of research in asking uh, local people, actually, that I knew Um, and said, Hey, I'm going to take a group of kids up to, uh, I want to do a backpacking trip with them. What would be a good spot? And, and hands down, you know, the, the hike is, it's not too long. It's not super strenuous. It's a, it's a, but they know they did it right. And they, and they still feel like they achieved something, which is one of the awesome parts about that hike. Um, and uh, and there's other things to do while we're up there. I knew that I wanted to put in some kind of rock climbing or rappelling. And uh, when I went up there and scouted it, there was a, a perfect rock face there for us to rappel off of. And it had two different slopes, one where they could, you know, practice and start off. And then another one, if they got a little better, they could go straight down off of. And, um, and it was just kind of like it was set up uh, to be perfect. There's a huge camp area there for a, for a group. And we've lucked out. That's, that's why I do my camps Monday through Friday and not over the weekends is because you don't hit the traffic normally on those days because um, there are people out there that don't get their summers off, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, that's the time to go. So Blossom was just something that, that made sense. I, I knew the elements that I wanted and it fit. Man, I'd seen this. Uh, Facebook posted it talked about a tree and how um, you know if you look at it you notice when you're out there you notice like the funky ones right over the just a straight tall everyday normal tree you notice these funky gnarly branches and the trees that grow sideways and stuff and those actually become people's favorite tree and so what I do is I'll have kids like, I'll I'll tell them now on our way up to the lake, I want you guys to pick your favorite tree, keep it in your mind. And then we'll talk about it tonight at at the campfire talk. And the way it goes is, you know, inevitably they pick the gnarliest funkiest tree that has something cool going on with it. And they explain it. And then we talk about how, you know, at that one twist and bend in that tree it was damaged somehow, you know, and either another tree hit it or or the wind blew really hard and it kind of split a little bit. And then it grew from there. Right. Uh, It got, got hit with bugs or something, but something traumatic happened in that tree's life at that point. And we look at that as cool and as beautiful. And it's what gives it that
0: character. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if we could only carry that over to each other, and to to humans the way we do with trees and look at our flaws as you know not flaws but just a traumatic experience that we've had in our life that we grew from and how important and beautiful that is um
0: and and what character we have from that what a beautiful visual right right and and it's and it's it's tangible yeah right you know it's not yeah it, it no longer becomes abstract um That's cool. And it was profound. I mean, you know, if if anybody's going to come down off of the hill and try to explain something, you know, some major epiphany that they've had and they don't have a loss of words and all they can get out of it is like, well, I had to pick a tree and that's all I got out of them. Like, Mm -hmm. congratulations on your tree. That's great. (laughs) But but that's beautiful. That's that's, that's awesome. Okay. Well, and that's the, the best part
1: of all our camp. I mean, every night we'll do a campfire talk. We just reflect on the day. Um, I do a thing, it's called a bud, a rose, and a thorn. Um, and the bud is is something that they were hoping to accomplish that day, or some growth that they were hoping to make in themselves. Um, the The rose would be something that they accomplished, or their favorite part of the day, and then the thorn would be obviously something that didn't go very well. And from there, uh, there's always, the conversation just goes where it does. And we end up talking until people are passing out and can't keep their eyes open, you know. And we've had so many just cool talks and meaningful talks. And that's, you know, that's how by the end of the camp, kids feel like they're family. And, it, and it's just by spurring conversations like that and getting to know people on a deeper level than you could if you're passing
0: by them in a school hallway. Right? Yeah, yeah. You get to really know somebody. Next, let's hear about Project Ascents' second camp offering, the Bull River Base Camp.
1: Yeah, okay. So when we got the, the state camp and we opened our, our camp up to people outside of just Thompson Falls, that was another big stepping stone for us. It was something that we were really excited about. Um, and that happened this, the, the first year of, of our nonprofit. Actually, that was the first year that we actually got the, the state grant as well. And so I needed something to accommodate uh, a group of kids that I didn't know um, and that didn't know each other. And so something a little bit more structured. And so uh, I developed a, a base camp, I call it, the Bull River Base Camp, and I and I wanted a spot where it was just a, a place where we all camped out together um, as a starting point, and then we went and did things each day from there, but we all came back to the same kind of spot um, during the day and uh, and that we could have different elements in. And so uh, the first day you know, is introductions and stuff. We do it at the Bull River Pavilion. It's a gorgeous area. Uh, it's right on the Bull River. Uh, it, it's got a big huge flat that where we can pitch our tents. It's got electricity, so we're kind of glamping out there. It's nice. Um, and potable water, and so we don't have to worry about filtering water or anything like that either. Uh, and so then we just focus on um, kind of outdoor learning the The main focus of the gear up grant is, is college. Um, well it's, it's graduation rates and then promoting college for kids or, or not necessarily just college, but extended learning after high school. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> we have, uh, just in, and, and over the years we've gotten such amazing professionals from our, uh, community in our area, the Northwest, we got, um, a grizzly bear expert Kim Kim Ennis that comes in and she is absolutely phenomenal she does a grizzly bear lesson she brings in you know the hides of a grizzly and a and a black bear and shows the kids the difference right there and we shoot bear spray off and she talks about the grizzly habitat and their migration areas and what to do you know all of it how to be safe around them and um we have uh, – the, the, and then after we do that lesson, we make sure we do that lesson and the Leave No Trace lesson before we do any other part of the camp because that's essential for what we're doing. They know the expectations then after that. Um, then that, that night we take them to Kootenai Falls, and um, we do a little hike. We check out the falls. We go across the Swinging Bridge uh, and just enjoy the natural beauty. The kids wear the packs for the first time so they can get them fitted right. It's kind of a preliminary hike before we take our big, big rock lake hike, you know, a couple days later. Um, And then we stop and and give them ice cream at the end as a kind of a little treat. And, um, and so uh, the next morning uh, we get up and we meet um, and we take our time. I mean, we don't have, like, we know, we're not saying you're up at the butt crack of dawn and, and we're going to get rolling because kids are tired and crabby in the mornings and I don't like dealing with that. And Angelo doesn't deal with that. So,
0: um, <laughs> <but, laughs> Angelo, I'm, I'm, Angela, I'm guessing that you are up at the butt crack of dawn?
2: I am. I am. I get up early. Uh, the first thing is, first order of the day is coffee. Uh, for me and I get a fire going and I actually prefer that everyone just kind of stay where they're at and I can kind of ease into my morning I like that (laughs) every now and then a kid will surprise me and and uh and get up pretty early but uh they they just will pull up a chair sit quietly while I start a fire and and uh it's it's still just very very nice morning if no one's up and it takes them a while. I don't mind going for a little walk, you know, with a cup of coffee and just seeing what there is to see. But uh,
0: That's a wonderful yeah. morning.
2: It's a wonderful morning, yes. Yeah. I do get up early. Yeah,
0: I just, that was just a guess, you know. Yeah.
1: Breakfast thing, and, and we meet um, a guy named Brian Baxter. And he's just the epitome of the professional – Wilderness people that that I talk about so fondly of um, about being passionate, about knowing about being brilliant right in the outdoors and knowing things that nobody else knows um, and just being impressive and and quirky as well. Um, But and and what's really cool is that quirkiness is looked fondly upon by the kids um they see it as wow that's unique you know that's that's characteristic and they talk about um he's a crooked tree (laughs) yeah they they, they talk about how how they love that about him you know and this guy I'm gonna just paint you a picture a little bit you'll be walking with him in the uh, in a, he does a, a guided tour for us through Ross Creek Cedars, and he he owns a company called Silver Cloud Associates, and so we contract him to just do this uh, guided lesson. But the first couple times he did it, he did it for free for us, um, and he would have continued to do that for free for us until you know we could pay him. But luckily, we wrote it into the grant the next year that we could start paying him a little bit for his time. Uh, but you start off, and he goes, "Okay, what do you guys want to learn about?" And the kids will say, uh, edible plants, or I want to learn about uh, the animals, or I want to learn about, uh, the, the different types of trees, native culture, native culture, whatever the kids kind of come up with. And we don't prep them. We just let them, you know, off the cuff, say what they want to learn. And throughout this few hour experience with Brian, I mean, he takes off and you're looking at the back of him right most of the time and then all of a sudden he'll stop and bend down and everybody will stop and he'll kind of reach down and grab something and pick it up and look at it and and then finally kind of look back over at us and say hey you know check this out and this is what it is this is how the native culture used it and um Or it'll be, you know, a piece of animal poop or something and they'll pick it up and kids will look at me like, what is he doing? And I'll be like, nope, just, you know, just listen, trust him. You know, this is going to be great. And, uh, (laughs) and, and it inevitably it's just great, but then he'll talk about something and drop it and then take off and not without a word. And then all the kids are looking at me like, what are we doing? I'm like, following, go, you know, just follow. And, And so it's, it's like (laughs) we, we follow along on this journey that he's on, you know, it's not like he's, he's, it doesn't feel like he's specifically just trying to do all these lessons for the kids. It's like, he's out there exploring and we're just along for the ride. Um, But in the way, by the end of his tour, uh, we have learned everything. He has touched on everything that the kids said that they wanted to learn. And it's just a natural way that he does it, but he remembers everything that they say. And, and we have 10 kids. So that's 10 different things that he has to remember that they said that they want to learn, and he does.
0: The final camp that Project Descent offers is near and dear to my heart. It is their Flathead River float camp. Um, But we ended up getting
1: uh, nine, eight or nine, We had nine kids kids from all walks of life and all over Montana and we took them on a a 30 mile kayak float trip. Um, I think the best part about that trip for me was um, I think it was just the fact that it ended up turning out so well. I mean, you, you only know so much about a place by Google earth and like, Um, planning all these little stops and saying oh this is kind of a cool little spot where we can do maybe this lesson and um, here's a hidden little pond that you know maybe we can do a lesson here and uh, about water quality or or whatever and kind of trying to plan it and then everything coming together and and going so so well Uh, and not necessarily as planned but but in the end, just uh, coming together uh, swimmingly, you know, right. to be punny. Uh, <laughs> but, but the very first guy that came in, I mean, we didn't even know him. We, we had barely even got him. I think the day of the camp, we got him uh, hooked into doing it. It was the day of. And we were making phone calls till the very end. And we we're like, you know what? It would be so cool to have somebody come in the first day and do a history lesson on the Flathead River. And where was and he from? He was from the, well, he worked for the People Center. He worked Center. for the
2: People Center, but he had just been let go. But they contacted him to come talk with us. His name was Jacob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his last name.
1: Okay. He's a member of the Salish Kootenai tribe. Mm-hmm. And um, it was our campfire talk for the evening after we got everything set up. And he just sat back and, um, and talked to the kids about just that, like the history of the area. Um, the history of the tribe and the importance of the river to the tribe. And um, and it just so happened that like the tree that he was sitting next to had these markings on it that we figured some jerk vandalizer came and chopped chopped into with an ax. But it turns out that's what the tribe does to um for location markers and so it was an actual historical thing on this tree and stuff like that that I didn't even know about um that yeah. the kids looked for you know and, and could see uh along the trip
0: I loved I love the leaning tree deal you know where you step on a tree and you know make it lean off to the right to, so it'll grow back up so that's your other little marker deal
1: exactly
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and and then um you know, we had Mikey uh come in from the Forest Service and and do uh the Leave No Trace lesson and Maurice, what his,
0: his full name? Church. Church. Mike Mikey Church. Church. Mikey Church. Okay. So what did Mikey Church do? Let's start over.
1: He did a leave no trace lesson and and man, he and theatrics with it. I mean, I I don't know if he was a theater major in college before he went to forestry, but uh, he brought along this backpack and he was starting to explain stuff. And then all of a sudden he started pulling out, he's like, I got to get these notes. And he pulls out like a storm trooper doll and a blow up whale and a diaper and starts throwing. And the kids are like, Hey, Hey, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, what? He goes, I can, I can do what I want. You know? And they're like, well, you're, you're, you're making a mess and you're littering and you know, and, and, and he's like, Oh, is that not okay to do? You know? and, <laughs> And <laughs> at one point when he was talking about the noise pollution, he grabbed a chainsaw. He's like, okay, you guys talk amongst yourselves here about the next topic, and then you're going to teach me about it, and I'll be right back. And he went and grabbed his chainsaw and started it up, and he had taken the chain off of it uh, just to be safe, you know. But uh, he's revving it and put on his ear protection, and he's like, you guys just keep talking. and And... <laughs> And they was sitting there laughing. You could see the kids are genuinely getting frustrated with this guy. But for a good reason, he won't. He, and he came back and he's like, isn't that frustrating when you're trying to have a good time or talk to each other and other people are ruining it with noise and, you know, getting in your way. And so this meaningful lessons from him um, all the way around. And then just Every little thing, every place we stopped, uh, every time we just decided to take a break, we had meaningful conversations. Uh, There was some new wildlife or a pollywog in a certain stage of life that we hadn't seen yet, or a bullfrog or... Something that somebody would find and pick up, and um, just a, a learning camp for the kids. It was for all of us, and I think we all took away a lot.
2: Andrea did uh, water testing at different sections of the river and different ponds to uh, check the uh, different mineral content or um, pH level, pH levels, and things like that. And so it was it was a good experience. They they learned something new every day.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Wild Place, brought to you by the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. For more information on the Friends, visit our website at scotchmanpeaks.org. This episode was part two of our feature on Project Descent, and this episode happens to be sponsored by Project Descent. My name is Ray Brown, and I am the editor of Your Wild Place, so subscribe to Your Wild Place wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you like, Please rate and review us. I'd greatly appreciate it.
3: Hey, listeners, this is Andrea. I'm a team member of the nonprofit called Project Ascent, the sponsors of this episode. Our mission is to get people connected to nature. We do this by offering summer camps to kids where they experience epic adventures to learn great lessons and create lifelong memories, all free of charge. We also host community events throughout the year including the Winter Carnival, held in January. The Winter Carnival is an event designed to connect families to the outdoors, offering 12 carnival-style games, prizes, and an occasional visit from our elusive forest friend. Again, I love to say these words, free of charge. We do host multiple fundraising events throughout the year that are just as epic and fun, and I encourage you to check those out. You can find us on Facebook at Project Ascent MT, and you can check out all the adventures we offer and how you can help on our website at www.projectascent.org.